Hello and good afternoon. Uh, my name is Kirby Mallon and welcome to the monthly President's Podcast for Cefeso. With me today, I have Scott Hester, who's the president of RSI. Uh, RSI is also a Cefeso certified company. Welcome, Scott. Hi, Kirby. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, we've known each other for a long time, Scott. Uh, I, I've been in this business for 30 years. Uh, I remember when I first came in, you were like the man. So you've been doing this longer than I have, right? Yes, sir. I'm in my 43rd year. About that. Well, I've always considered you a mentor over the years. Uh, you're a super smart guy, and I appreciate uh, everything you've done to help uh, myself throughout the years and other Cefesa members. Past president, by the way, too, right? You were president, um, put you on a spot that was back in 90, maybe? Uh, late 90s and early 2000s. I'd have to go look at my president's plaque to remember the year now. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you're a wealth of knowledge, and uh, I appreciate you spending the time here with us today. I, I did want to have a couple of uh, topics of discussion with you here, being that you're from Texas uh, in the southern part of the United States. I'm from Philadelphia or the northeast part of the United States. It seems uh, uh, post-COVID here, uh, things are uh, much different in different parts of the country. Why don't you tell our uh, audience, uh, uh, Scott, what you're seeing uh, as far as Texas uh, versus the United States, as far as um, your, your count calls or where you are as far as uh, numbers of calls or st that kind of stuff? Well, currently, we are operating in a in a sold-out capacity to where we're only able to give good prompt service to our core um, relationships and customers, which includes serving all the needs of the manufacturer's warranty and install side, and then our established end user customers. Um, the market here is hot, hot, busy. Construction never really slowed. And <clears throat> during the COVID period, the last 18 months, then we had the mask lifting and reopened bars and so forth 100% in the last few months. And we're going gangbusters busy in all of our streams of revenue. And we're also suffering from demand exceeding capacity with our labor, with parts, with uh, finished goods that we need to perform out there for people. Uh, you've said uh, you have the term sold out. Uh, in 30 years, I've never heard that. And it's true. The supply is greater than demand. We've seen that in the past, Scott, where uh, we're just extremely busy. And uh, we're in the same position where we literally have to tell people who call us and are not an established customer that uh, we're sorry that we cannot take on any new business at this time. And that's that's a frustrating thing to have to do. But it's the right thing to do, right? You can't just take a service call and tell the guy that you're gonna you're gonna be there. Correct. Well, well, likewise, the stress that we put on our dispatch team, even because the nature of the phone calls become all about the people that can't get service fast enough. So if we can't meet the appropriate reasonable response time, that's when we explain the sold out. Sometimes we have a customer that will wait more than a week, but like on a small piece of equipment that's not inherently critical to operations, 
you know, if, if we take more than a five-day response time, we start to talk about being sold out. And then on the emergency pieces of equipment, like um, uh, a gas leak call or a walk-in cooler being out and a lot of stuff is at risk, then I mean, we normally respond in four hours or less on those. And when we struggle there, we let them, we let them know what the reality is. But that's just managing the demand being greater than capacity. And historically, we've dealt with that every summer here because there's never enough refrigeration men in Texas in the summer. You know, I've said before, if I could find five technicians, I would go get five trucks on the road tomorrow with respect to our eagerness to hire more people. But the reality is I'd be facing a difficulty with the suppliers and finding the new vehicles because even there we're having to wait 18 or 20 weeks from the time we place an order the timelines are running very far behind even on getting replacement fleet absolutely absolutely so uh that leads into you know custom relationships right i mean if you have an established relationship with a customer uh, and i'm talking more about the customer here right uh, if they have a, they're signed up for a pm contract plan maintenance uh, and they have a good relationship with you uh, that's that's critical, especially, and this is the point in time where that that relationship is critical. Because if if you don't have that relationship with a, your servicers, you're the guy that gets told we're, we're sold out. Yep, true, true. And you know we've got to be cognizant of the effect of the tension or anxiety on our dispatchers and call takers and billers keeping up with the volume, our technicians working overtime, you know, because we reach 150% capacity, you know, refrigeration wise, we, we, we try not to run into 60 hours a week per man. And when they're on call, they're going to get a few more than that and maybe a seven day work window. But that's one of the reasons we say that we're sold out or we can't take your call because we're going to continue to get the emergencies and the core customers calling us every day. So it has to do with choose your dance partner before the party starts type approach. And we can't dance with everyone, you know, on, on Friday night. And that's what we're dealing with. And I think the restaurant operators understand it very well when they've got a wait time that is unreasonable, sometimes because of a labor shortage these days. But when they've got that wait time, they see customers, and it could be repeat customers and good customers, turn away and walk off. So they know how it feels. And that's where we're able to work something out when folks are reasonable because we'll, we'll work guys on Saturdays as volunteers and we'll wave over time to try and catch up for good customers and we'll do everything we can do. And that's how we operate in excess of our capacity. When I say we operate at 150% capacity during these peak times, that 50% of excess that we're taking on is not all billable overtime. We're, we're eating that cost in order to serve our community of customers. And that's uh, where we, we do run into the limits. It's a finite resource, the labor, including the, the parts and everything to be able to get around. Absolutely. And then you're less profitable because you're trying to take care of your customers, right? You're paying your technicians over time, but you're not charging over time. So, you know, the sweet spot obviously is in the 100% capacity range. And then when you, when you get to what you say is the 150%, you're just literally trying to not burn out your technicians, keep your customer base happy, 
and try to try to weather, weather that storm, right? Um, that kind of gets me back into our, my next topic. I want to talk about it, which is, um, you know, we've, we've always had a problem with hiring technicians, Scott, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a, a year that we haven't said we can't hire enough technicians. But this, in the 30 years I've been doing this, I've never seen this situation worse. And, and I'm not only talking about technicians, uh, I'm talking about internal staff. Are you guys seeing uh, the same thing happening down there in Texas? And I'll say it, right? You're in a state that has uh, chosen to eliminate the additional unemployment benefits. You would think or I would hope that you're going to see an influx of quality applications. What's your thoughts? I would agree. And yes, I think that has to do with it. I heard in the news something about 7.8 million open positions that can't be filled nationally right now with some of the latest data and the unemployment federal benefits that supplemented the state benefits that created the scenario to where it might be in the working person's best interest to stay at home with that benefit ending here in two weeks in Texas, we're kind of anticipating three waves. The people that are looking ahead are going to start looking for a job now. And when the benefit ends, there's going to be a second wave of people that get out and get busy. But then the third wave will be after the money runs out and other circumstances happen to folks that are going to motivate them to go look for work. So we're looking hopefully to fill the five vacancies we've got inside and, and admin and support staff. We're looking to fill that in the next three or four weeks, we hope. But we've got ads running on multiple platforms and we're getting just a a trickle of responses. In the past, I would drop an ad, I'd have 50 50 applications in three days. And it would almost be you're getting drowned and you can't find the good people because of the research just to decide who are the five folks you want to interview. And it's quite the opposite right now. Right. I'll share with you and the audience that we've had two recent successful hires in the last two weeks. One of them is a refrigeration trainee, and the second is a internal office staff member, a dispatcher. Uh, and we acquired them by offering uh, a $500 signing bonus. The $500 signing bonus goes to the employee who recommends that person, as well as the person applying for the job. Uh, so uh, we have had success with that. Um, <laughs> be honest with you, we had a third that uh, claimed to be a, a, a technician ready to go. So he got a thousand dollars, and then a week later, I let him go. So two successes, one failure so far. True, true. If you're not trying, you're going to have a failure. Um, you, you know, I mean, and you're going to have failures when you make the effort to do that. We have a re recruitment bonus compensation program we bring in we've got one level of compensation if they refer someone in that enters into the training ranks we have something at 90 days and something at one year and then an experienced technician it's double and we do the same thing at 90 days of hire we pay the employee that recruited or referred and we pay it at one year on the anniversary so that works real well for us. Um, 
I'm seeing quite a few of the different hiring bonuses being offer, offered by even restaurants with all kinds of employment right now. And um, I worry about what we're going to do with if the labor costs are going up and the bonuses are driving up, what happens a year from now? And what's it going to do to our cost of doing business? And what's how's that going to impact rates for the for the services we provide? We're going to feel some inflation pressures, I'm afraid. I, I agree 100 percent. We're already seeing it um, in the northeast United States. We raised our rates four dollars an hour. And uh, there's definitely a, a situation where we're being pressured to pay uh, more money for uh, jobs that we would typically pay less. Uh, and that, I guess that's a good thing, really, for the for the general public. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the end result is the customer is going to pay the bill. Um, you know, if I have to raise my rates four dollars, then it's going to trickle down to you know, the, cust- the customer end- ends up paying for it, which is what is called inflation. Yes, sir. And, you know, we don't get ahead. We don't grow and we don't prosper and we don't thrive. We don't have a good culture by trying to manage ourselves to be in the the low end of the pay rates in the marketplace here. We we prefer to be at the top of the market, you know, in the the, at least the top 20 percent in pay rates in order to remain competitive for employees. And then the peripheral benefits packages such as employer paid health insurance or the quality of the fleet they drive or the, you know, the, the amenities in the building and the other things we do, the value adds, we try and work in order to retain and keep people working here. And, you know, cause we compete against mom and pop shops, if you will, our family run small businesses, but we also compete against a lot of the corporate entities for good people. And it's not just money. But of course, money is important. Well, you mentioned, Scott, uh, earlier on, or I did, that you're a CFESA certified company. Uh, and so is uh, Elmer Schultz, the company that I own and run. And you're right. It's, it's, it's more about how much you get paid an hour. It's about the culture, uh, the people you work with, uh, the tools that you're given to be successful uh, at what you're doing. And working at a, a, a CFESA company, a CFESA member company is... Uh, a unique business and it's a unique uh, place to work. And I think it's a great place uh, that people w- would come and work. I'm, I'm trying to get the word out as president of Cefesa. I am trying to get the word out. I'm, um, I've, I get interviews here and there. Uh, and my, my, one of my talking points is we will pay you to train you. It's one of the few industries where you can choose not to go to college, right? And what, what happens if you go to college? You're there for four years. Are you really learning anything else that's really going to help you in the real world? No, in my opinion. But you're going to come out in, in debt of 100000 say $100,000 in debt after four years of college. Then, then what's the other avenue? Oh, you can come work for Scott Hester, right? Uh, and Scott Hester will train you. He will pay you while he's training you. So you will be paid to be trained. And in four years' time, you will most likely have been at least FESA certified in electric or refrigeration, and you'd be well on your way to making a, a, a very successful career. These guys that are that are master certified technicians that are seasoned, been with the company for 20 years, they make a lot of money. There's no doubt about it. True. They do. And that's the, the structure of it with respect to the person coming in that's lesser experienced, generally younger people. And they if they'll make the commitment, 
an amount of time that is oftentimes less than the amount of time it takes to complete a college degree if they make that commitment to time and get in here in the program and they have the innate fundamental talents to be a technician, which not every person's cut out to be a technician, but if they bring that fundamental skill set of the ability for deductive reasoning and take things apart and put it together and understand sequence of operation, they'll thrive and have a lot of success and they'll exceed what they would earn as a college graduate in less than the amount of time it takes to get the college degree. And I've proven that over and over again with many persons. And sometimes we've had some people that I had one person I hired and he was a old hot rod guy and he's very capable. He ends up moving in and work through the parks department and he manages our IT now. And, you know, so there's other paths and just continuing on the career thing that opens doors that work well, well for the employee as well as for the business. So it's, it's definitely, there's alternatives to it. Personally, I did not go to college when I was in high school. I took, um, two years of aviation training and I completed the FAA curriculum. And in my senior year, I flipped over to air conditioning and refrigeration. And uh, here I sit 43 years later. I never have worked on an airplane since I left high school. <laughs> so, you know, this is what we, this is what paid off for me and it paid off well, you know, so. About that. Well, that's, uh, I'm glad you shared that with uh, the audience. As I said, you've a uh, wealth of information in 40 years in this industry. Guys like you uh, don't grow in trees anymore. But uh, So I do want to shift gears. Uh, you know, we talk, parlay from lack of labor, which um, we just spoke about post-COVID, uh, to the issue of, you know, here we are with all this work available to us. Uh, we don't have enough technicians. Okay. But now we're running into what I never suspected would happen is a supply chain issue. So, you know, now parts are being backordered uh, and we can't complete jobs. Uh, are you seeing that down in Texas, Scott? Uh, quite a lot. And it is at the HVACR wholesaler level. So general market finished goods like um, condensing units and coils, as well as restaurant equipment specific finished goods that come down through the dealer supply channels. Um, parts, um, the sheet metal shops being able to get materials fast enough and keep up with demand so that we can perform timely and within a reasonable price range for our end users. And it's the, the labor shortage, the sudden demand of business on the recovery, the strains on the supply chains from small parts and raw materials all the way through finished goods has uh, comprised the so-called perfect storm. And it is a, a challenge every day to operate profitably and be price conscious for our customer. You know, we care about the value on every invoice. It's not about this is how much money we need and there's not any emotion in it. And there's uh, we face a lot of challenges every day performing and it does impact our metrics, not just the labor on overtime, like I mentioned earlier, but the logistics and getting materials in here and the delays you take. We, we've got evaporator coils ordered that are slow leaking refrigerant on, say, walk-in coolers or other systems. 
And instead of being able to order the parts and return and get the repair done in a satisfactory timeline, we end up going back to the job two or three times to top off the refrigerant charge to keep the customer cooling. So you've got that relationship. So does the cost of the ticket go up because it's beyond our control? You make some kind of partial or full compromise and do it gratis for the customer or discount it. But these are the things that are driving us and it's impacting our metrics. And if we weren't impacting these challenges, we would be able to run more calls. If we could get our supply lines intact, we would, we would be able to clear more calls per week with our fleet of service technicians. Absolutely, Scott. And I was just uh, on the phone with a uh, board member um, that's uh, in the general Northeast uh, United States area. And uh, he says he has at least $200,000 worth of work in progress that can't be completed or billed uh, because of the lack of, of parts that are backordered. I don't see any end in sight uh, or any, any quick end in sight to the issue. I mean, we see the cars with the chips and all that kind of stuff. And um, you know, pl plumbers complain they can't get um, plumbing issues. Um, construction workers can't get wood. So it's a it's a global problem. Of uh, the only thing I can think of is you know we got into this mess very quickly, uh, and then we got out of this mess also very quickly, or we're trying to get out of this mess very quickly, and it's it's just affecting every uh, supply chain that there is. And uh, I I will share that um, one thing that we've done. Uh, and I'm sure you're probably doing this is, you know, we've, we're good friends and I'm good friends with Brock Coleman down in Texas. Uh, he, he has a substantial inventory as you do. Uh, so what we're doing is we're sharing inventory, right? So if I can't buy it from the, from the, the manufacturer, I'm reaching out to fellow Cefessa members saying, Hey, do you have this widget? Uh, and if they do, I'm buying it from them, uh, and helping each other out, right? What's all, that's what Cefessa is about helping each other out. So, um, you know, for those out there that are listening to us and, and you have backordered parts, don't uh, don't be afraid to reach out to fellow Cefessa members and, and see if you can fill that, that backorder with uh, inventory that is sitting somewhere else in the United States. So interesting. Never thought that would happen in, in all the years. Well, it's something I didn't expect to happen uh, coming out of this where I thought we would ramp up very quickly uh, and labor would always be an issue. Uh, but as you said earlier, we're kind of in this perfect storm situation when you put them all together. Yeah, we've had a real uptick on one of the ways we get rid of dead inventory is through a, a, a spot we've got on eBay. And we've turned to it and used it to find some things we couldn't get through other supply lines and normal channels. So that's been pretty interesting, the extra trouble we have to go through to help find the parts. But we've also... The same way we're getting rid of our dead inventory, what we're finding out there through other venues or platforms is people like us that have that inventory on hand. Oftentimes it's, uh, you know, say with a seven-year-old Flaker machine, uh, a top of a Flaker with a piece of extruded plastic or aluminum, those aren't readily had. And then we're hearing obsolete or we're hearing 12 weeks, but between you and me, I think it's going to be 16 weeks. And to turn around and tell a customer that and go, because this part on this machine is so far out, you might want to consider buying a new machine if they're anxious and they need something done. That creates a, you know, difficult circumstance. That's, I, I've got all my parts people doubling down to make sure that if there's not a part to be found, 
it can't be found that we're not slipping up and because if they're calling someone else if it's otherwise found we wouldn't look too good if people start finding hard to find items in obscure places we haven't looked right right uh we had a situation the other day scott and um it was a, a piece of equipment that was under warranty and uh, the piece of equipment needed a specific part. Uh, that part was back ordered. Uh, so what do we do in that situation? We tell the customer, hey, you got this relatively new, brand new piece of equipment. It's under warranty, but we can't fix it. So what does he say? Fine. You, then, you, then you have to replace it. So that seems logical, right? We can't fix it. We got to replace it under warranty. Problem was the lead time for the piece of equipment was longer than it was for the replacement part. So, I mean, that's that. I mean, that's a horrible position. Yeah. Yes, sir. Oftentimes, the manufacturing production of the of the manufacturer is challenged by a shortage of the same parts you want for a replacement business. So, the what we suffer on waiting for repair parts, manufacturing suffering waiting for the same parts to be able to produce finished goods. Absolutely. So, we all have relationships in this business, which. Uh, I mentioned earlier with, with, with customers, but you also have to have this relationship with the manufacturers. So the end result was a, was a positive result, Scott, is that um, they, they went down to the line. They, they took a piece of equipment that was completed or almost completed. They pulled the widget out of it and they sent it to me and we got the guy up and running. But without those relationships that we've had over the years, that probably would have not have happened. True. Very true. So Scott, um, that kind of leads me into my final subject that I do want to discuss with you in it. And we've touched on inflation. Uh, you know, if the price of, of costs are going up, obviously that's inflation. Are, are you seeing uh, uh, any issues with insurance or, or you, let's talk about insurance uh, rates that are going up, whether it's health, workman's comp or auto, are you seeing those rates skyrocketing? Um, our health insurance with respect to looking at the last six or seven years, the annual increases have actually declined a little bit. We're renewing July 1, we're looking at three and a half percent increase. That's the lowest increase we've faced in probably nine or 10 years. With respect to the double digits, you know, there was a couple of years we had to absorb a 20% increase or a 23% increase in one year. You know, when the laws were changing and things of that nature were coming on board. That settled down. Um, auto general liability, um, we're seeing pretty sharp double-digit increases right now, and we'll bring in safety consultants and do safety training, and we do the things that we can do to improve on our insurance premiums. You know, but it's not like we're suffering these expenses solely because of the experience the insurers are having covering us. It's not because we're all out having crashes or, you know, having accidents on the job as much as it's inflationary in nature. And we're seeing double digit increases in the area of auto and liability. Workers' compensation, we're enjoying a, a lesser, not, well, uh, yeah, workers' compensation injury related coverage. We're enjoying a decline and we're getting rebates from our carriers right now this year because of past history is much improved now. So I think that the formulas, they're charging more, but we're, we're ahead of the current increases because we're getting credit modifiers now. And historically, that's where we've operated at, where we're very cautious and we try to watch out. But we did have um, a couple of job-related accidents that 
put people out of work for a period of time and all that gets paid, you know, you pay that back over a period of years after the event. How about the umbrella insurance that you're asked to be covered uh, to, to have on your behalf when you're rolling into some of these bigger buildings? Yeah, that's going to be, and it's TMP here. It's called Texas Multi-Peril. So the umbrella, and it's bolted on to our general liability. You know, our, our property insurance is not so bad. The uh, partner's insurance is doing okay. His officers um, being in, in, endorsed, that's all covered by the by our umbrella here. And it hasn't shot up the way the general liability and the way that the automotive has and even the workers conference has moved up less but overall i would say total insurance spend we're still up double digits even though health insurance is doing pretty good the automotive and general liabilities moving enough that we're probably at a 10 and a half 11 percent increase year over year right now excellent excellent okay scott well um uh they're, they're the questions i had for you today i do want to be cognizant of your time and uh, the listeners, uh, do you have any last question, I guess, um, put you on the spot here? Uh, you've been around long enough. Do you, do you have any predictions of where you think we're going to be in six months as far as an industry? Well, I think we'll be enjoying the economic recovery. And, for example, I think you've probably faced greater restrictions and challenges in New England and or even possibly the West Coast than I, we have here in Texas. And that's kind of local politics and local conditions related. But I think collectively as an entire country, the economic forecast of a V-shaped recovery business-wise, I think that's still the case. And I think we're arcing up pretty sharp. And I think interest rates are going to stay low for a long time. Um, I'm worried about tax on business and capital gains as well as on individual earnings. I think that all the money that we've spent, um, it's got to be paid back. And we probably need to absorb a larger amount of the pain of paying that back than passing it on to our children and grandchildren. But I don't see the courage of that in the houses of Congress or in our political leaders. So they're going to probably continue to kick the can down the road and print more money and print more money. But I think that the next six months and even the next two years, maybe it's uh, full steam ahead. Right. I agree a hundred percent, Scott. And, um, I really appreciate your time today. As I, as I said, uh, your wealth of information, you've been in this industry for a long time, 40 plus years, uh, president of RSI down there in Texas, um, also a festive certified company. So uh, again, Scott, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate everything you do for Cefesa and um, you have a great day and have a great week. Well, I'm very grateful to get the opportunity to do this and I'm happy to help anytime. It was very nice talking with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good day.